This is new for me. I've never drove one of these this big, amen. So, uh, praise God, that looks good, the battleship front, amen. John chapter number 19, John 19 in your Bible, please. This morning, I'm very nervous. I know the company that is in this building, some of my heroes sit in the pews here today, amen, and I know Lord of mercy, let, letting me preach like putting whipped cream on an onion, amen. It's just about uh, to try to fix something up. John chapter 19 and verse number 25, the Bible says this. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. I want to talk to us this morning just a minute on this thought, the ministry at Mount Calvary. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the blessings of life and, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, thank you for the dear brother that preached Brother Dale in front of us, Lord God. What help he gave me. Lord, I do pray now, Lord, you'd help us to help those that are among us today. And, Lord, you'd help us take the word of God and be a help to this thy people. In Jesus' name, amen. I never thought about this, but this puzzled me more than any of the sayings of the Lord from the cross. There's different requests from the cross. There's statements from the cross. There's all kind of things there. But in these two sayings, there is a request of man here. He's saying something to John. John, I've got something for you to do and Mama, I want you to go along with John. I see here, first of all, the position of ministry. If you're going to get in ministry and be a minister, you need to hang around Calvary. Amen. That's the best place. I think you can find anything you need at Calvary. You can get all the help you need at Calvary. We can always go back to Calvary, can't we? John was standing at Calvary, but John hadn't always been at Calvary. Just a few hours before, John was in the upper room sitting beside Jesus, leaning on the breast of the Lord whenever all the talk about Judas came about. Who was going to deny the Lord? And they began to look at one another. And I see Peter's. he looks over at Nathaniel. He said, been watching him the whole time. I know these boys as Baptist preachers because they were always wondering who's going to be the best. Amen. Uh, they did that the whole time. They did that while they were while the Lord was talking about who was going to betray him. But nobody ever said, they might say it is that I... But they never said, is it Judas? You know what that tells me, Brother Kevin? Quite possibly, Judas was the best prayer. He was the best preacher. He was the best apostle or disciple that the Lord had. So you might ought to watch that fellow that's got it all together. Amen? He might just be a Judas. 
I see as he was standing at Calvary, he abandoned some things when he was at Calvary. You see, John now was coming back to identify himself with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was coming to stand at the foot of the cross. And I don't believe John had his head reared back looking in the face of Jesus. I don't believe he was looking around at the crowd. I believe he was looking at the ground that day. And he was ashamed of leaving the side of the Lord. My friend, how many times have we left the side of the Lord? He abandoned his own safety to come to the cross. You can't worry about your safety and be in the ministry. You can't worry about your status. John was oftentimes worried about status. Can you imagine John and James got their mama, Salome, to go to the Lord? Ain't that just like a bunch of cowardly preachers, amen? Get the woman to go do the work, amen? And they got her to go and ask the Lord who would sit on his right hand and on his left. And of course, you know how he answered her. That was not prepared for him to say, but for the Father to do those things. And we know all those things, but they were always worried about status. I get tickled at meetings such as this, and I hope it ain't like this here today. I've been in some camp meetings and some fellowships. Reminds me of being in a barnyard looking at a bunch of roosters. They'll get together and they'll bow their chests out and throw their wings down, you know, and say who's the biggest rooster and got the reddest comb and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something, friend. It ain't about what God does on you for a person. It ain't about where you've been to school. It ain't about all those things. It's about what God's put in your heart and put in my heart to do for His glory. Amen. It's abandoned His status. He abandoned His self. Somewhere between the upper room and Calvary, maybe it was in the palace of the high priest, John said, this ain't about me no more. This ain't about me anymore. As a matter of fact, by the time John writes his gospel, he don't ever even talk about John. In the entire gospel, he never says his own name. He never brings up John, what John did, but he brings up everybody else in that gospel. He doesn't bring about the fact that he was knowledgeable and the high priest's family knew who he was. He didn't, didn't bring up that fact. And it's not about us, fellas. It's not about us. It's about him, that one on the cross. Secondly, I say the perception in ministry. What did Jesus say? He said this. When he saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved. John didn't say, I love Jesus. He said, Jesus loves me. He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. He said, Mama, woman, when you look at John, I want you to think about me. Friend, when our folks look at us, whether we're in the pulpit or out of the pulpit, walking down the street somewhere, they ought to see the Lord Jesus Christ in us. 
That's who they ought to see. That's who mama ought to see down at the house. That's who the family ought to see because they are our first line of ministry. Secondly, I see not only did they behold the Savior and behold the servant, but behold the service. He said, behold thy mother. He said, John, I got a job for you to do. I want you to take care of my mama. Now, out of all the people in the world, why did they not ask one of the other siblings to take care? Why didn't they ask Jude or, or James, one of those other boys, why didn't they take care of mama? Because Jesus could trust John above all others. Take care of his own mother. Nobody else ever got that position. I want you to notice when they behold the Savior, there was some love going on there. Now, I do know the New Testament that Peter got the discussion over love. And Paul got the definition in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He got the definition of love. But John got the discipleship of love. And 1 John, you know how he goes through the whole book and the theme of it is the love and the love of God. How much God loves us. He got a different perception and what we do, we should do out of love. I tried to get the Lord to let me preach another message. If I got to preach this morning, I had no idea. I wanted to preach out of John chapter 10 on how much is that preacher in the window. But he wouldn't let me do that. You know what? It's a sad commentary when it's about bigger buildings, bigger books. It's about all those things. Man, it's not about that. It's about love. Lastly, I see the payment of ministry. John, in John chapter 20, got to see the visualization of a miracle. He got to go to the tomb of the Lord. But he stopped short of going in. I thought about that. I pondered on that. And I wondered, did doubt stop John at the outside of the tomb? Or did disgrace stop John on the outside of the tomb? Had he been doing exactly what Jesus said for him to do? You know, you can't minister but to one person at a time. You can't help but one sheep at a time. I was down at Tupelo Hospital the other day. One of our members was just right at the point of death. She'd aspirated, had pneumonia in her lungs, and she was in real bad shape. And I went back to the ICU unit, and she wasn't conscious or anything. And all I did is just lay my hands on the side of that bed and say this, Lord, this is one of your sheep. And God, you've given me charge over her. And Lord, would you take care of her? And you know what? He did. He did. You get to see some miracles if you'll stay in the ministry. 
I also vitality for ministry. In Acts chapter 4, the Bible says that when the Pharisees looked upon Peter and John, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And we're not always bold, but we are sometimes. And thank God for the times that he gives us that we are bold in the things of God. But old bold Peter, and then there was little John right beside him. In front of the crowd that he had had once status with. He'd once been one of those fellows that was known of the high priest. Now he's standing accused of the high priest. You see what will happen a lot of times is if you'll stay with Jesus, you'll probably end up swapping sides with a lot of people. There'll be a lot of people oppose you. Those that have the hierarchy, those that have the big name, those that are the who's who will sometimes oppose us. Lastly, I want you to notice with me a visit from the master. In Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says this. After everybody's gone and nobody else has left, and Peter's gone, Paul's gone, everybody's gone. There comes one to visit with John. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. He didn't say, I'm the best preacher, I'm the last one alive. He didn't say, I'm the beloved disciple. He didn't say any of those things. He just said this, I'm your brother, I'm the same as you are. And companion in tribulation, I have problems just like you have them. And in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I tell you, if you'll just stay in and you won't quit. John failed. He stopped short at the tomb. He went fishing with Peter. Peter said, I go fishing. John said, I'll load up. I'll get the net. We'll just go fishing. We'll quit this business. We'll go back to the way we were. We'll be fine just like we were. We were doing good before all this happened, and I think we'll be all right. And how many times, men of God, have you and I, as a brother well testified, said, I'm done. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody paying attention. Ain't nobody trying to do anything. It's just all naught anymore. I might as well just be out working at the house or doing something else. There ain't no sense in doing this anymore. I just might as well go back to fishing. But then you get the visit from the master. And nobody else got that visit. He was the only one. So what are you saying? I'm saying if you'll stay in the traces and you'll stay with God, God will give you something he don't give nobody else. My oldest daughter, several years ago now, decided that she didn't want to live under mine and her mama's rules anymore, that she is smarter than us, and she just go live with her boyfriend his family and uh, the terrible situation 
broke my heart. Well, after a little short spot of time there, uh, she became a child out of wedlock. And she come back and sat at my kitchen table, Brother Kevin. Her and him both. And they said this. They said, uh, Daddy, I'm sorry. I said, I am too. And, of course, in subsequent time, they got married and everything. That baby was born, and that was my first grandbaby. And grandbabies, if I'd had them first, I would not never had no kids. Amen. They a lot better than my kids. Uh, they, they please you a lot better, seemingly. But she come along. Tesley Brooke come along, and she's growing up. A last Sunday night, well, last Sunday morning in Sunday school, and thank God for Sunday school. If you don't come to Sunday school, you ought to get right with God. But Sunday school, she was in Sunday school class, and one of the, her little sisters said, would you pray for my belly? It's hurting. And Ella's just that way. One of the little boys said, would Miss Stephanie, will you pray for my dogs? And the little boys like their dogs to be prayed over. And Tesla looked at her Sunday school teacher with tears coming out of her eyes, and she said, would you pray for me? <laughs> well, last Sunday night, she was at her house. And long story short, she got saved. She got saved. You say, how you know you got, she got saved? How do I know you are? But anyway, that's all right. Uh, I don't know you are. That's what it is. But anyway, I questioned her like every good papa does and interrogated her. And I began to talk to her, and I said, uh, Tesla, I said, what happened? She said, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I said, well, that's good. I said, you believe Jesus died on the cross for you? She said, yes, I do. I said, now there's uh, something else about that story. What was it? She said, I don't know. I said, yes, he'd done something else. What did, what did he do? And she said, oh, he walked out of that grave. I about had me a shouting fit right then, amen? I don't know how bashful you are, but I'm not real bashful, and I just about had a glory spell. Well, yesterday, I was walking around through work, and I was going about my job and going backwards and forwards and, and going about my job and thinking on all these things. And you know what? I began to think about how it was over there with old Joseph. How the devil meant for all that for evil, amen? The devil thought he had everything fixed and everything. But here come the Lord Jesus and saved that baby, amen? I had me a shouting fit yesterday right there in the middle of work. I just went to hollering and I carried on. They don't nobody really pay more attention no more. They're used to it by now. Hey, listen, you know what? I believe God just plugged me in just for a little while and paid me back some of what I've been working for all this time. And you know what? If you won't quit, there's a payday at the end of the road. We all going to weigh in one of these days. 
I don't what's in your pick sack. It really don't matter. We all going to weigh in. And he's going to say, well done. If you've done well. There's a ministry for every one of us. We've got a ministry. You've got a ministry. What's God called you to do? I hear people say, well, God called me to preach. I just ain't got no word to preach. I got old broke down Ford pickup. You can climb up in the back of that thing, and you'd be surprised. Hey, we'll meet you on that thing. I'm preaching on the street corner and nursing home. And hospital, no, you're just making excuses. Just get busy. Say, well, I just don't really feel like that's what I need. Well, just find something. They're dying and going to hell everywhere. Everywhere. And if the only place you ever minister is in these four walls right here, you ain't got much. These old dope addicts that I talk to every day. God cussers, everything in the world, drunks, all kind of, you just know where you work in the public, it's like that. But you know what I thought about this? If I wasn't there, who's going to minister to them? Them old dope addicts will look at you when you hand them a gospel tract, and I'll say, now you read that. And they'll read it. God loves them, and I love them. That's what ministry is, loving people and trying to use that book right there to help them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time you've given us, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for Brother Mary and having this good meeting, Lord. We pray God just bless those men of God that are to come. In Jesus' name, amen.